Everybody, welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest because this is a comic book series that has run for over 20 years and that means definitely nothing has never happened in it. I phrase that a lot better in my head, but that doesn't matter because uh, today's guest is, is a good friend of mine. Uh, she was on us for the last couple of uh, episodes a while ago. Uh, introducing uh, my good friend, uh, Twitch streamer, e-girl and definitely not the first woman to be on this podcast ronnie valentine hello hey guys what's up how's it going i'm here for more chaos and this time this is a solo run so uh she had the mental fortitude of being around five other people can she pull it off can she do it i believe i believe in her because i've had multiple people especially my our boy jackal he was on here twice if he has the mental fortitude so do you all right I'm here for it. Let's go. Let's dive right in. And without hesitation, we'll begin on our first comic. Ronnie, the nonsense already going to start, so you got, you're oh, going to want to no. strap in. I'm buckled up. Let's Sonic go. Super Special number 8, Sally Moon. Oh, no. Not the... <laughs> oh, I Which hurt. I happen to have right here in my hands. Oh, my God. You actually have it. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the first time I've pulled this stunt, by the way. Oh, my God. Giant. 48 pages? 46 pages? 48. Oh my in god. Fact, uh, would you like, would you care to describe what it is you're looking at, or is it indescribable to you? Uh, well, I, I think that's Eggman Robotnik in the background with uh, Sonic in the front. Is that Amy in the bottom right corner? That's because Amy, yes. I'm spotting her. That's my girl right there. Uh, and then uh, Sally in a purple and cream looking outfit what is going on there well the the title of this comic should give you an indication sonic super special okay uh <laughs> are they superheroes what's going on well we'll we'll know we'll get into that right now all right so th this particular story uh called zone wars prelude written by dan slot uh, art done by james fry this is very important, but I'm going to put a pin in that until the end, because I got a little something to share about that. Okay. We open on uh, the No Zone, a space where everything is rotated by 90 degrees, and we uh see someone calling out for the focal character, a character named Zonic the Zone Cop. Oh, no. Saying a zone breach is in process and is told to deal with the issue of Sonic now in combat with an alternate version of Robotnik by the name of Dr. Ivana Robotina and told to get reinforcements. Uh, okay. Continue. We see then Sonic fighting this alternate Robotnik and he's stopped by someone from the same zone and I quote... In the name of justice and the Mobius moons, it's my duty to stop her. I'm and sorry, wait. Is this Sailor Moon? <laughs> pretty soldier Sally Moon and Chibi Rose. No! Oh my god! This is why you had me on this episode. <laughs> you ex yep, you got it. You fucking got it. Oh my it. god. 
So, right as Robotina goes to attack them, uh, a rose gets lodged in her neck. She's knocked out cold, oh, no. with Chibi Rose pointing out the source, Tuxedo Knuckles. No! Knuckles! <laughs> tuxedo Knuckles! Tuxedo Knuckles! I can't, I can't, I can't. Continue. And, uh, of course, as expected, the, this versions of Sally and Knuckles have a little bit of a thing going on for them, and which confuses Sonic even more, demands answers, which then is where Zonic shows up, shoes the parodies away, and says, Alright, Sonic, listen up, buddy, listen. My job, I'm a zone cop, and it's my job to maintain multidimensional order and make sure no one else goes into zones they don't belong. Sonic's immediate response is, Well, you sure do a good fucking job considering the fact that I've been to so many different alternate zones before. And he literally says, Zonic says, Oh yeah, that's because I let you do that. Oh my god. Favoritism? Well, good catch. <laughs> Zonic basically says, Oh uh, yeah, all those times, like when you first went super, when you met anti-Sonic, recruited all those alternate Sonics across the multiverse, all th those are not a coincidence. Like me... I'm looking out for you, man. Oh my god, it really is favoritism. <laughs> to which Sonic says, he's like, well, why me? Why did you let me do this? Sonic says, quote, because you're Sonic Prime, the true Sonic of all dimensions, and it's his destiny to become the most pivotal hero of all time and space. Wow. Wait, okay, so is this favoritism or is this narcissism? It can be both. I think it's both. I think it's, it's both. both. Yeah. both. Alright. Cool. Zonic the Zone Cop, defending these zones, but letting Sonic do whatever the hell he wants. I'm in. Let's go. And as Zonic leaves, Sonic, uh, in a little bit of frustration, says, quote, If that's so, then why don't I get the girl? And that's the bookend. <laughs> Which, you know, fair question. Fair question. Fair question. Why don't I get the girl? Now, before we move on to the next story, I have, I have a point to make. So, I introduced the writer, Dan Slott. If anyone listening thinks that name is familiar to them, it might be. Because uh, after he wrote this story, a couple years later, he went on to work for a, a little company called Marvel. Oh. And went on to write a story called Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, oh! This is not a joke. I wish I was joking, in fact. Really? Yeah, really. In fact, I remember hearing a story about... When he was at, like, some comic book convention, someone came up to him with this comic and said, yo, sign this. And he was like, holy shit, I never thought I'd see this ever again. Oh, my God. He signed it, obviously, and talked to him about, yeah, I only, I wrote this story because I wanted an in at Archie. I wanted to write for, like, the main Archie comics at the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that ever worked. You know, I think writing Spider-Verse was a pretty good, you know, second, good second. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was his name? Dan Slott. Dan Slott. Good on you, man. If there's any good alum, well, you know, good alum from this era of the Archie Sonic comics, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, honestly, good for him. So, with that out of the way, we'll go on to the next story, uh, Running on Empty, by some more guest writers, Roger Brown and Nelson Ribeiro. Jim Amashu in the art. It's a very simple story. Sonic is just hanging out with Amy, sitting with her atop a hill, and says, oh yeah, you know, yeah, I have the super speed and all, but uh, there was this one time where uh, my speed almost got me killed. Direct quote. Oh. The story goes, 
Sonic heard Sally crying out for help, goes to get her, and sees her tied up, and in my notes I have here, in the same pose as the crucifixion, might I add. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, it was actually Snively springing a trap. Uh, it was fake Sally, Sonic gets electrocuted, but spares Snively thinking that that was the worst he could do, and Snively just looks away smugly. Sonic runs into uh, uh, Sally's caretaker, Rosie. She's gathering apples to make an apple pie, asks Sonic to accompany her. And he sees a fallen apple uh, on the other side of the orchard, runs to grab it, but realizes he can't stop and runs face first into a tree, knocking oh. down all the other apples with him. Of course, of course. How old is he here? Uh, 15? Yes. 15. 15 and running into trees, even though he's been speeding around his whole life. That's crazy. It is. So, it's all good. She got her apples, and as they're walking back, Sonic sees a Robotnik drone overhead and runs to catch up to it. And he notes that he's running a lot faster than usual, but looks back to see himself uh, collecting metal junk and it's gravitating towards him. Oh, okay. He can't stop when he sees his friends uh, in Knothole, just misses them, skids to a halt, but ends up burying his friends in garbage. And you know what? Who hasn't done that? Let's be honest. You know what? I agree. Yeah, you know, it's not his fault. You know, we've all done it. Yeah, we, yeah. We are, we've all been there. He who is without sin shall cast the first stone. Absolutely. So, <laughs> seeing this as a problem, Rotor has Sonic run on a treadmill to test his new limits, but it overloads and burns up. Oh, okay. But he uh, was able to salvage some data and says accordingly, the ray Snively hit him with not only enhances his speed, but also his metabolism. Every time Sonic runs, he's naturally accelerating his aging process. And on that note, Sonic shows up to the meeting basically as an old man. Oh. Uh. <laughs> my, man, my man's got gray hair. It's, it's not pretty. It's not a pretty sight. Wow. Yeah, they really went off when they designed... Jim Amash, like, you went off and you had no reason to do yeah. so. Yeah, does this get cured? Well, I mean, you know... No, just Sonic's old, like, forever now? Well, to find that out... Oh, no! <laughs> the Freedom Fighters go into Robotnik's base. Uh, Rotor does manage to reverse up the polarity, but Robotnik shows up in six SWAT bots on them, and uh, at this moment, Sonic decides to use his speed, quote, one last time uh -huh. to, to magnetize himself and pile Robotnik under the robots. And Sonic is lying on the floor in pain. He he is literally dying. <laughs> oh my god! Like this is like this isn't supposed to be funny. But while I'm talking right. about this, it's like th I can't help but laugh. Like this is silly. <laughs> right? No. Yeah. This is like when this is like when Sonic got kidnapped by the uh, dudes in Sonic Forces. <laughs> exactly. Like this is silly. Like why is this happening? <laughs> so Sonic's dying on the floor as expected, and Sally decides to play a gambit. She runs to Snively and says, listen, use the machine one last time and put Sonic out of his misery. Oh, so they kill him. Well, what happens is that Snively shoots him. Sonic is re-energized and the Freedom Fighters go home and Snively is just pissed that he fell for the ruse. Okay, 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 okay. So he just reversed the whole thing. Yeah, Rota reversed the polarity, so... In, a, in, um, in science fiction mumbo-jumbo, that just means that he uh, turned the on switch into reverse. Of course. You know, 
just it's all good. the power. It's chill. I get it. This next story, uh, Den of Thieves with uh, writing and art done by Frank Storm. He's done some other work mm-hmm. for the comic. He's mainly a DC comic guy. Right. Okay. But uh, we're focusing on Monkey Con. In the eastern continent, we see Monkey Con stopping ninjas who are ransacking a nearby temple. They vanish, and the people running the temple say that these were ninjas of the Yagyu clan, known for their sleight of hand tricks. Khan, with the two temple attendants, Lilu Mei and Liu Fang, go to the Yagyu base at the Haunted Lake to get the loot back. Uh-huh. All normal names that I did not butcher at all. Yeah, no, you did really well. Those are all, like, very Asian names. They sounded Chinese, almost? I, I think that's what they were going for, but uh, I'm just the messenger here. Uh, please direct your attention to uh, the writer of this comic. Actually, don't. Please don't harass anybody. Yeah, no, don't, we don't harass people here. We appreciate history. We appreciate history and we appreciate <laughs> the art and the hard work and talent that they poured into this comic. Yes. So on the way, uh, they're attacked by Yagyu and are led into a trap door and are attacked by a robot inside. The story simply ends, Khan thrusts his staff into the robot's control panel, reverses the polarity... And the robot then attacks the Yagyu and chases them away. Chimei and Fang get the loot back. The day is saved. Khan goes home. Okay. Good job, Khan. Good job. Good job. Good work. And now the last story for this comic is called Ghost Busted, written by Jay Olivieris. However, I must point out that this is actually an adaption of uh, Adventure, not Adventures, of Sonic the Hedgehog Sat AM. That is the same oh. episode with the same name. Okay. Which is interesting that they would do that this late into the comic. Of course. Do go on. Basically, like, the beats are basically the same as it is in the episode. Uh, Tails tells a story when he was out on a mission with Sonic and Antoine. Antoine falls down a ditch. They rescue him. Uh, Antoine says he got spooked because he thought he saw a ghost. Later the night, Sonic is telling ghost stories as Antoine's trying to sleep. They fall asleep. Tails in the corner sees a figure moving about and screams. Sonic jumps out, freaked out. Sees Antoine not in his cot. They move out, see a figure moving. Sonic says, chill out. It's Antoine. He fell in some bushes. He's just sleepwalking. So so I'll go back to sleep. Next morning, the three are packing up. Go back to Knothole find a medallion under Antoine's cot, to which an actual ghost comes to claim it, and they run back to Knothole, swearing never to speak of this again. You know what? I respect that. Yeah, I mean, like, for the TV show, it was fine, but why would they adapt this into the comic? Like, seems like a waste of time. <laughs> Did Maybe they didn't have any other ideas. They were like, let's just throw this in here. Which, you know, makes a lot of sense, because I also neglected to point out, the art... Is atrocious. Oh. I don't normally like saying that about art, but this is disgusting. I, it, it's, you know, you know what? I'm not, I'm about to pull up the comic just to show you myself, oh, Ronnie, because boy. you know what? It's that, it's just that rough. Where can okay. I? All right, perfect. Perfect. All right. Can all you right, see it? See. I can't. Oh my God. Tails? What? Wait, why do I feel like I've seen that Tails on the right side? You probably have. The one with his butt up in the air and his legs apart. What is happening? Tails! What did they do? Uh, is there any other... That is so much bad tails. Here's some more for you. For the road. Oh. They really did tails super dirty in this comic. 
Who's that in the bottom right on the? Oh, that's is that the is that Monkey Con? No, no, no. that's not a monkey. Who are you referring to? Uh, the the one the like one with the white background with tails, Sonic, and another guy Chelsea. closer to your face. Oh, you mean this? Is this what you're referring to? Yes. Who is that? That's Antoine. <laughs> Antoine. They really okay. Did, they really did him dirty. I'm not gonna. Oh lie. my god! It's this is so ugly. If you yeah. guys get a chance to like look up this comic, just admire this artwork, please. So, that's that done. That was. Uh, do you feel enriched after seeing that, Ronnie? I feel a lot of things. Enriched is pots, possibly one of them, maybe. All right, all right, fair enough. Gosh, damn. All right, what a what a comic that was. None of those stories felt cohesive. They're not supposed to be. The super okay. specials are like more like I don't want to call them vignettes, but there's like one or two main stories and then a couple extra just for good measure. Honestly, it kind of okay. feels like they just had the extra comics uh, or the extra work lying around. It's like, well, let's put this to good use. Let's release a super special, whatever. Gotcha. Let's move on to our next comic, Sonic the Hedgehog number 69. All right. Nice. Funny number. Let's go. Oh, uh, a crucial thing I forgot to mention to you, Ronnie. Uh, oh. In the previous episode of the Knuckles uh, comics, uh, another thing happened. Uh, they happened to find uh, Queen Alicia, Sally's mom. Oh. And also Sally's long-lost brother that none of them wow. knew she even had. Hey, you know what? Nobody remembers Sonic's siblings. And that's for good reason. <laughs> that's for good fucking reason. <laughs> I love Sonic Underground. Come on. <laughs> Uh, t- so we'll open. <laughs> I'm not gonna Just fucking gloss over it. Go God damn it! Okay. So we open in uh, the Castle Acorn Med Bay. The Doctor Quack is overlooking uh, Queen Alicia's medical cryostasis. Says, "Listen, in this state that she's in, she's not gonna get better, but she won't get any worse. So we can look at this problem fully, and we're just we're good, kind of." We can progress like this. Sally is understandably a little pissed that her mom's survival and her brother's existence were kept secret. But the king basically responds with, it's complicated. Ah, of course. Dad of the year. Dad of the year. Yeah. (laughs) He proclaims that with Elias here, uh, he can be the royal successor instead of Sally. So, uh... You don't you don't need to worry, Sally, about, you know, all the responsibilities, loyalty. Do whatever you want. You're good now. Your your brother that you didn't know existed, he'll take over for you. Don't worry about it. Have fun. Wow, that's fucked up. She spent her whole life being princess. Well, I mean, she doesn't lose her title, but, you know. Well, yeah, but, you know, princess in training for, you know, ruler. Yeah, but let's, honestly, Sally's kind of relieved because, uh... There, we did see exactly what she would have had to go through if she were to accept it, and she was clearly yeah. conflicted about it, so she, I bet she's more relieved, but in a, not positively, though. She's relieved not in a positive way, though. Gotcha. She just repl- They just replaced one problem for another problem. Anyway. Of course. Meanwhile, the Freedom Fighters are walking along to the castle. Sonic is telling everyone stories of his travels, and as we see... People going in the shadows reporting that he is back. He. He. Along the way, Sonic finds Nate Morgan, and they just bring him along. 
Amy then introduces herself to Nate, saying that, oh, Sonic said you were the one that made all the power rings. And he was like, yeah, that that's true. I definitely was the guy. And as the rest of the Freedom Fighters head into the castle, Sally sees them, runs to Sonic, and collapses on her knees in tears, basically saying she's so happy to see him. And my man Tails is just in the back going like, yeah, that's my, my bro. My bro, he's got it. He's got it. And obviously, Sally's dad is just looking disgusted at seeing what his daughter is doing. Okay. That was just a very funny scene. I just decided to point that out for you guys. I agree. I agree. That's very funny. Despite that, King Max has the Freedom Fighters escorting Nate and Elias around the city just to show them what they have to offer. As the uh, people in the shadows continue to spy and radio in what they're seeing, Max excuses himself as Elias refuses the invitation he says he wants to explore the castle more before seeing the city. You say, okay, okay, fair enough. And as they walk around, you know, they're just doing little, you know, fun slice of life stuff. Sonic buys chili dogs for him and Nate. He likes them. Of course. Loves chili dogs. That's not a, <laughs> that's not surprising. As the shadowed people are continuing to spy on them. Okay. Antoine uh, brings the group back to a reclaimed uh, <clears throat> juice bar and sits down for a drink. Okay. As eyes are all peering on Nate, who feels out of place, and Sonic reassures him, like, "Listen, buddy, don't don't worry about them. They're they're in the wrong here. Like, you did great things for the kingdom. You're literally the reason why uh, the kingdom moved out of the dark ages. Like, you don't have a reason to be concerned." Uh huh. So they're having fun. They're having a good time, and Sonic pulls Antoine aside and says. Hey, hey, bro, like, I see you and Bunny have a little thing going on. Like, what's up, man? You want to wanna talk? Want to talk, bro? Want to talk? Okay. Antoine says, like, yeah, you know, it's all good. You know, me and her, it's all good. But, like, I'm just kind of wondering, like, what happened to my family and my dad? I mean, we don't know what happened after the war, after the initial coup. You know, my dad's missing in action. I don't know. When my, where is he? Am I ever going to see him again? <laughs> and Sonic, with a heavy heart takes the opportunity to tell him what he saw in Albion, that his dad was the sub-boss of the region, roboticized, still under Robotnik's control. Oof. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. But that was all technically off-screen. But the perspective is on Bunny, who's seeing Sonic and Antoine talk, and she's like, oh, they've been talking for a while. I wonder what they're, I wonder what's going on, mm-hmm. as Antoine is quietly sobbing to himself. Oh, no. While that's happening, uh, some chud spills juice over Nate's head and is like, oh, yeah, sorry, bro, that was, that was an accident. Yeah. And he begins to walk away, but Sonic confronts him, and another guy gives Nate a towel, and, you know, again, people are spying, there's a lot of nonsense happening. Meanwhile, Max is being briefed by Jeffrey St. John, who says that there was a breakout recently from the Devil's Gulag, and gives the list of prisoners who escaped, the most notable being Snively. Oh. And as this is happening, the shadowed figures confront the Freedom Fighters, saying, hand over the Overlander or else. Huh. And, uh, for the record, or well, one second on that. Sonic is grabbed, Sally's knocked out cold, Sonic basically, like, takes off his limiters, fucking Rock Lee style, and just goes home. He goes loose. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, these people ungarb, and we see... They're all the villains who escaped from the Devil's Gulag. Going down the list. Uh, Kodos, Sleuth Dog, Draco, Predator Hawk, Sergeant Simeon, Arachnus, 
Flying Frog, Knack the Weasel, and Lightning Lynx. I bet you you only recognize one of those names. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like, what? There's so many characters in this <laughs> series. Like, I don't even... Honestly, I barely know which characters I'm talking about right now. Yeah. I'm, like, trying to Google them as I'm coming across names that I don't know. <laughs> so difficult. Hawka grabs Nate, tries to fly away with him, as Bunny extends her limbs to grab him. But uh, she's pulled down. All the other Freedom Fighters are distracted in this confusion. And in this confusion, the villains escape as uh, Simeon throws a flash bomb behind him with him falling at Sonic's feet. And that's the end of that story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my man Sonic just has a grenade at his feet. What will he do? That's a good question. But unfortunately, we're not going to get that answer right now because uh, oh. there's a secondary story. Real quick, I literally only have two lines for it. Okay. Basically, we're on the wolf pack. Uh, they're trying to make the journey back home. They're in a shelter uh, that's currently like being rained out, and they find two uh -huh. Overlander kids. This is all from the last episode, just giving you a refresher. They're taking care of these two kids. Uh, their cook is just making them food, and as they eat, they see the storm clearing up outside. That That's it. This was like oh. four pages. Okay. And yeah, that's Sonic number 69. That, gotcha. It, it, it sure happened. That's the problem with a lot of these comics. Things happen. Yeah, I'm noticing that. What What am I supposed to do about that? It's just like, yeah. 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 You know? It just be like that sometimes. Yeah. None of it's, you know, intertwined or anything really. There's no like overarching story i mean there is it's just that it's being told at a snail's pace yeah which is ironic coming from a comic called sonic the hedgehog right yeah but you know what what do i know i didn't write these comics they're the ones that got paid for this what do i know yeah what do i fucking know uh, i don't know you know whatever so we'll move on to sonic number 70 done by the same team carl bowlers and butler we'll start off uh sonic his initial instinct, he throws the grenade up into the skylight, it explodes, and everyone's saved from death. Quote, talk about guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, as Sonic and the Freedom Fighters leave, and after the bar owner blames Nate for causing the destruction of the bar, you know, the racism, we ought to have that in there. Right, always. They go to see the king, noting him of the events. And after some back and forth about how the kidnappers were the same ones escaped from the gulag, Elias points out that the escapees most likely went to the closest landmass from the gulag, and <laughs> Sonic and the Freedom Fighters offer to jump into action, but the king pushes back, saying they only fought against Robotnik because there literally was no one else to do it, and with everything restored... The Freedom Fighters are officially disbanded, and Jeffrey and his team are dispatched to rescue Nate. Now, of course, naturally, Sonic doesn't take that too lightly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, let, let's be real about this also for a second. Like, like I just said, Sonic is 15. Everyone else is around the same age. They're child soldiers. That's what I'm trying to say here. They're all child soldiers in of a course. fight against Robotnik. You know? Is that not what the Freedom Fighters is? Just child soldiers? I mean, that's what they are. And yeah. And ultimately, like, there literally was no one else to do it. The king is absolutely right. But at the same time, like, like they're war veterans. <laughs> like, they've earned, right. their, they've earned their medal. They're clearly capable of doing things. So it's not like they're... It's not like these are a bunch of stupid kids that want to go play war. Like, they... They know what they're doing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
But, uh, uh, that night, uh, Jeffrey and his team take a submarine to West Robotropolis, to which Robotnik was using as a testing ground for secret experiments, according to their reports. Sonic got there first, pitching Jeffrey off that he has no business there, the Freedom Fighters are disbanded, why are you here? You are acting against the orders of your king. And Sonic is like saying, hey, yeah, the Freedom Fighters are disbanded, but, uh, I'm here as a free agent, offering my services to you. Meanwhile, Snively is trying to coerce Nate into providing his services to him and his gang unconvincingly. Sonic, walking with the Secret Service, overhears a sound coming from the sewers, but uh, the team goes on and ignores Sonic as Jeffrey finds a parked shuttle, thinking the escapees are inside. Jeffrey's plan? Surround the building with the team and order them to come out with an unconditional surrender. Sonic pushes back saying, hey listen, we have the element of surprise here. Let's not waste it, man. And uh, if they can't have it, if it goes wrong, Nate can go from kidnapped victim to hostage. In this moment, Jeffrey has like actually a legitimate candid moment and says, look, I don't care about Nate. This is all just orders to me. And he, like many Mobians, really hate Overlanders because of the Great War. And their actions put Queen Alicia in the state that she's in. Oh, dang. So look, I, I'll be I'll be honest about here. The racism does go both ways, but that doesn't make it any good. Yeah, of course. So it's just, yeah, it's just fucked. Like this is fucked. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, like yeah, it is just orders to him, and really the only reason, uh, as I mentioned before in a previous episode, uh, the only reason King Max likes Nate is because he's basically part of his father's royal court it's a long story but the, the point is he has a deep personal collection connection to nate it's all it's all good he wants his homie back okay but jeffrey is just like look listen yeah i, I understand he's the king's like childhood friend but like i don't really care like mm -hmm. if i get him back i get him back if i don't like yeah i'll have failed the mission but like eh, it's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lose sleep over it right so Sonic pushes back saying you can't personally blame Nate for the Great War and all the things that happened as a result. Uh-huh. The man exiled himself from all society during that point in time. He doesn't know anything about the Great War probably. And this leads to Sonic and Jeffrey punching each other. Uh they're they're going at it real hard. A foot soldier yells at them to stop, to which Jeffrey responds saying, "Hey, listen, I'm the highest rank here. Mind your business, buddy. To which the soldier unmasks himself, reveals himself as Elias, and says, Oh yeah? You're the most outranked here? I'm the highest ranked? Hmm? Oh. Uh, that gets Jeffrey to shut up, as expected. And uh, okay. inside, inside Kodos is threatening to basically execute Nate, axe to the neck, and is like, Alright, listen, buddy. You got your choice. Like, what's it gonna be? And Nate, staring at him, un unfazed, no fear in his eyes, do it. Huh. Take you, like, he just straight up says, like, fuck you, bro, take the swing. Yeah, okay. Right then and there, uh, a bomb is thrown in. Was about to detonate, but it's a dud. The team charges in anyway. All this time, uh, as this is going on, we see another satellite coming online over Mobius, I believe... This is the fifth one right now? Okay. Sonic goes in, 
saves Nate by uh, whacking Kodos on the legs a few times. And, you know, it's super speed enhanced, so a few seconds and the man's, like, out. An earthquake shakes underneath them. The building collapses under their feet. And underneath out comes a giant roboticized kraken. Entangles everybody. But then, uh, bomb blows up. Freeze the heroes. The villains are arrested by the Secret Service. And, and all's good. All's kind of good. Okay. Sonic tells Jeffrey, though, that, uh, oh, hey, buddy, uh, I got a gift for you. A little parting gift. Maybe even just take it as an apology. Down Under's number one villain, Crockbot. I got his head for you, uh, in my biplane. Uh, and, uh, on that note, that's when they see the biplane fly overhead with, uh, Kodos, Arachnids, and Hawk flying away. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Good comedic timing. Yeah, very very good. And uh, we still have one more secondary story to go. And Ronnie, I think you're going to like okay. this one. This th- this one uh, might resonate with you a little bit. All right. Written by Paul Castiglia, art done by Chris Allen and Jim Amash. Sonic uh, is having a nightmare. He's monologuing. He sees himself flying over Sandblast City, you know, the, the place he condemned. You remember okay. that? Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. So, uh, he's flying over it, uh, the plane gives out, and as it's falling, he falls into the mouth of the statue of himself that he destroyed. Oh. And then, that's where the nightmare ends. He wakes up screaming, heart pounding, and unable to sleep for the rest of the night. He has no idea what the dream means, but he just wants it to stop, understandably. Uh Okay, yeah. One night, he decides to let the dream continue and falls into the mouth and falls face first onto the ground to a world where everyone reveres Sonic for his exploits to the point where he's mobbed by the locals and is eventually taken to the Sonic Adventure Archivist, the people who chronologue his adventures. Oh my god. And the three people, who are literally three dudes. Like, I, I really think that these are just three Redditors personified, if I were to describe them. Okay. They chronologue and debate Sonic stories. One of which uh, talks to Sonic about, oh, bro, you and Sally should definitely get together, bro. Yeah, I, I got you, bro. I, I ship it. Another says that, oh, you know, I, I agree. But in all honesty, I would have I had her be a martyr to the cause. She would have been a great symbol to the Freedom Fighters under such a state. Yeah, kill Sally. Which, by the way, was <laughs> what, that was like literally Ken Penders' thought process. Uh-huh. Actually, like, not even. That's really giving him too much credit. Uh-huh. Because I believe the quote in regards to what he wanted to do with Sally was, uh, so in the events of Endgame, Sally was, like, killed off, but, uh-huh. you know, brought back and all that. But originally, that was meant to be real. Oh. And Ken Penders' reasoning was literally, Sally was cramping Sonic style. You know what? I agree. Jesus Christ. I don't like Sally Acorn. I really don't. Ooh, that's a hot take. Is it? I feel like a lot of people don't like her. And then, like, a lot of people do. But it's 50-50. You either hate her or you don't. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. But uh, these three uh, Redditors can agree on one thing. Quote, Sonic can do no wrong. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it's those words which shock Sonic back to reality. Tails comes in to check on Sonic, and Sonic basically just has a heart-to-heart with him, saying, Listen, man, 
I, I feel legitimately guilty about condemning Sandblast City. Like, I can't... I, I've been having nightmares over it. Like, I I can't help this. What's... How do I deal with this? And Tail mm-hmm. says, hey, listen, Sonic, it, it's not the point to be perfect. Just be there when you're needed. And those words are which put... They put Sonic back into a, a relative level of comfort. That's good. And that's the end of that comic, Sonic number 70. I like that ending. Yeah, you know, me too. Like, you really don't see, like, emotional, like, sincerity like this in the comics. Yeah. That's a hard topic to cover, too. Grief. Especially in a situation where it's, like, a back-end story, which is, like, literally a third of the comic. So, you know what? Like, there really was, like, a good, like, emotional rise in resolution here. Like, I I appreciate... Congratulations. I applaud this. Good job. I agree. I am also applauding. Good job. Paul Castiglia, you're you're good. You're good. You you yep. you you get a pat on the head and uh not to this next rider though because uh we're we're going to be we're here. We're here for what you're all here for. Don't kid yourselves. We've got Knuckles comics. Come on. Let's give it up. Let's all give right. it up. Let's go Knuckles. <laughs> oh no. So, of course, uh Knuckles number 22 is our next comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Do I even need to say it? Written by our man, Ken Penders. Written. Of course. Ken Great. Penders. We, we love you. We love you out here, man. We love you. It's not foreboding at all. And uh, art by Jim Valentino. Nor- normally, uh, Mandy Galan is the artist for the Knuckles comics, but yeah. I guess Ken Penders decided to shake it up a little bit. Okay. So to shake it up. We open on an echidna counselor's house being broken into by dark legionnaires and attacked in the middle of the night. And we see uh, a woman echidna, a woman dark legionnaire leading them and saying, hey, buddy, why are you out here railing against technology despite the fact that you've got, you know, state-of-the-art high-definition TV, video phone, CCTV, while the citizens only have the bare basics? And this guy is being dragged away with the leader being taken back to the center. That, that's what it's called. Okay. So, All right. Le- w- before we continue on, I, I gotta applaud Ken Penders for the diversity in his comment. More female fascists. You love to see it. You love to see it, folks. Hell yeah. Let's bring on those female fascists. Yeah. <laughs> the next morning, uh, we see Knuckles talking with the rest of the Brotherhood, angrily asking why he's been kept in the dark for so long, with the other Guardians saying, look, listen, like, basically... You're not ready to know about a lot of other things, including his father and his current whereabouts. We then hard cut to his dad, Locke, in a ship taking off with uh, Remington, the uh, chief of police, Laura Lee, his ex-wife, Wynn Maser, his ex-wife's lover, and Julie Sue Knuckles' lover. Right. I remember them. Yes. So, Remington asking Locke if, uh, oh, hey, dude, uh, guy to guy here i'm guessing things didn't go well with laura lee and he basically says like yeah yeah it didn't but don't worry about it then julie sue goes up to Locke, saying hey uh do i know you from somewhere to which he says yes i'm knuckles's dad to uh she's taken a little aback by this and but uh she doesn't have enough time to process as everyone's dropped back off in the kidnopolis and lock leaves to go back to haven so then we see this, uh, the legionnaire leader. She's taking the counselor into this chamber and leaves him in there. The guy is literally pleading to make some kind of a deal, but she doesn't want to hear it. 
The next thing we see is uh, Dimitri, also known as Enerjack. We see 95% of his body replaced with cybernetics, saying it's finally payback time. Remind me what cybernetics are. Basically, I think it's like roboticization, but not fully. Okay, okay. Got you. So, like, what Bunny has? Mm, not even, because no. Bunny was, okay. like, accidental. Theirs was deliberate. Big Got difference. You. Big difference. Okay, okay, okay. As uh, Remington is driving Laura Lee and Windmaster back home, uh, the street that they turn onto is blocked by dingoes holding a protest march, demanding the echidnas treat them equally. I wonder what parallels I could draw to what's going on in the real world, but it's coming up to a blank. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. None at all. Mm-mm. So, uh, Remington steps out saying, uh, I sure hope uh, cooler heads will prevail, and goes on the megaphone saying, Listen, you guys are allowed to protest, but be considerate and let traffic through. My next immediate line, Ken Pender's radical centrist. <laughs> okay. They're allowed to protest, but hey, you know, you got you guys are, you know, I don't like what you're doing. You know, you guys are really annoying me by blocking traffic. I guess I'll have to vote to disenfranchise you. What? I'm sorry. You shouldn't have blocked traffic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so as he's yelling that, a Molotov cocktail flies over the crowd and near Remington's feet. And it breaking causes a brawl between the echidnas and the dingoes. In the words of our man Wooly, the race war starts now! Oh my god. Alright. And look, listen, give me some credit here. This isn't even the first race war in this comic. Okay. This is the most disappointing thing I've ever said in this podcast, and that's saying something. Gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, Remington calls into Haven, says, look, listen, if I call the cops, that's gonna make the situation worse. Like, yo, Guardians, like, please step in, please. For the love of God. Knuckles is the one to answer the call and uses the Master Emerald to teleport him and Archimedes into Echidnaopolis. Because he can do that. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Locke walks into the Master Emerald chamber looking for Knuckles, him lamenting, uh, you know, I probably wasn't that good of a parent as I thought I was. Which, you know, probably was the first time he's ever had that thought enter his mind. On account of the fact that he literally made his son think that he, not only not only that his father was dead, but also that he was the last of his species. But I digress. That's not important. Right, yeah. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, another no is that, you know, I, ne I never really put Knuckles first. And realizes him saying, I'm sorry, won't make up for anything. Which, you know what? I'm going to actually give Locke some credit here. There are a lot of dads who don't even go that far in their thought process. So, you know what? Moment of insincerity... Credit where credit is due. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Lock's an okay dad. Yeah, you're going to take those words back in a couple episodes. Lock's an I dad. I, I'm still too far. All right. Lock's a dad. Lock is a dad. Lock is a dad. <laughs> the scene changes. Knuckles uh, flashes in, is about to get decked by a dingo, but Archimedes uh, breathes fire on him, which alerts Knuckles to the situation. Stryker, the uh, the leader of the dingoes, he comes in, mm -hmm. surprised that the dingoes are doing civil disobedience and not openly fighting back. That's epic. <laughs> Knuckles replies that, quote, I'm not too fond of how the echidnas are behaving either, and propose a truce while things are worked out. Stryker says okay. 
But uh, the Echidnas broke too many promises in the past. And if they don't get their act together, quote, you're going to wish you've gotten rid of us instead. <laughs> Which, you know, the Dingoes are, oh, well, he, I should say. Stryker is very much a warmonger, so not surprised that that's where his thought is at. Of course. Uh, meanwhile, in the in the center, as it was referred to as, this counselor is tied up to a medical table and is put under, against his will, as I might add, for an operation. Uh -huh. Dimitri monologues about how he and Edmund were working on the Chaos Siphon. Uh, they tried to go to their mentor for his blessing, but he refused, saying, quote, If this works, you'll be a hero, Dimitri, but it puts a halt to my own plan, so I'm gonna have to refuse you. Okay. Which, you know what? In-house politics, it happens. Kind of sucks for Dimitri, but like, yeah. you know, you didn't have to be a fascist. You didn't have to go this route. True. True. No matter what the fix was in, Dimitri says, but time, uh, vengeance, in time, vengeance will be mine. Then we scene change. <laughs> Knuckles warps to another part of the city, in the middle of the Chaotix and Julie Sue walking towards them. She tells them that the reason that dingoes are up in arms is because of the construction of housing hasn't been going fast enough for them, and no one on the council really cares about it, and with the election coming up, the, not only the Echidnas not care about them, the candidates running think it might actually hurt their chances if they support the dingoes. Or not even support them, just show sympathy for them. Right. Sounds familiar. Uh, is it? Because I can't think of any instance where that's happening in the real world. I, I can't think of any. Yeah, no, you're right. I can't think of a single one. Mm-hmm. So, because of the situation, the dingoes don't really know the future course of action. So that's kind of why it led them to start protesting. They leave to go get a meeting about the, the situation with Remington, just as the scene changes to the Legionnaires ransacking a bar. The owner is just saying, hey, please leave him alone. I don't care about tech. Please just go away. Uh, the, this leader, she says, uh, beat him mercilessly. They're just looking for a martyr right now. Okay. And uh, back in the center, Dimitri's overlooking the situation, saying, fear and terror will work for the moment. And when the people look for a savior, they'll see, quote, the people's choice, paragon of virtue, the technology now candidate, Chancellor Pravada, now cybernetically brainwashed, proclaiming support for immortal Dimitri. That's the end Ooh. of Knuckles number 22. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, fascism. It's great. No, it's not. That Hell Don't yeah. take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, As I confirm you in the background. <laughs> we'll move on to Knuckles number 23. Again, same team. Uh, we're opening on a news report, a press briefing from Pravada, saying he's stepping down from his position and will not be running for re-election and will hold a rally in Guardians Park tomorrow to endorse his successor. He's stepping down. He's not running for president. Don't get me uh, copyrighted, please. Don't worry, that was all I was going to say. Thank God. TV, uh, the news report turns off. There are, we're seeing a dingo encampment, with Stryker saying this is, quote, if this is a kid in a treachery, we'll know for certain by tomorrow. All right. Remington, who's watching the same thing, sees this as very suspicious and has extra troops prepared just in case. And at the same time, uh, Knuckles and, Cha and the Chaotix are at the diner. They saw the same news report, with Vector complaining to, quote, Put on my rap TV. None of this really matters anyway. With Espio saying, it doesn't really matter who gets elected anyway. Right, Knuckles? 
with hair, with knuckles responding none of this concerns me anyway which is literally a, this is literally a scene of teenagers talking politics so this is kind of expected let's be honest here okay but at the same time like like i actually like legitimately want to think about this what was the point of this because <laughs> this never really gets brought back up like is, is ken penders trying to say something man like do, do you have some you know, thoughts like you want to share does ken penders have any deep thoughts of things that he says uh check his twitter you'll you'll see <sighs> check his that's the only answer i'll twitter. give you I'm pulling it up right now oh. as we speak. Let's see. Let's Please see read the first is. tweet you see. Okay, I will. Uh, his pinned tweet is, Since people have been asking for details of my legal fight with Archie, I recommend the following. The amazing sallyhogan.tumblr.com is a post of that person's. Corporate-sellout.com slash tag slash Ken Penders. Scroll down to the bottom and read up. Bleedingcool.com, uh, an actual court transcript. HamptonChronicle.com, Content Sonic, Archie Desperate to Settle, but Can't Without Sega. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's that was like uh, back from around the time when uh, the, the dust settled from that. Go, just You know what? Scroll down a little more, just flick your mouse wheel, and just see whatever catches your eye. Here's the future artist of the Lara Sue Chronicles, my grandson Julian. Nice, I guess. <laughs> okay uh i believe that one featured kevin costner and ashton kutchner kutcher and no i haven't checked imdb so there's a chance i could be wrong i do play fair okay uh finally joe biden is officially acknowledged as a president-elect it's a big fucking deal in about time you know what okay cool <laughs> great yeah you see uh, you've just basically given like a rundown of what ken penders is like on twitter his thoughts on the lawsuit that's happened over five years ago at this point, maybe more. His t uh, tweeting about Laura Sue Chronicles in whatever form it may be, and also politics. That's all he's like on Twitter. If you were expecting something more, I apologize. Uh, I just found something that I'm not even going to describe. I I is it art? Is it the Laura Sue Chronicles? No, it's um, a political drawing. Uh-oh. Uh... And he, his comment is, that's what I call seriously delusional. Both Jack Kirby and Joe Simon would be appalled. The artist depicted in this scene is anything but American. Nice. Ta putting words in the dead in a dead guy. Great. Awesome. No. Yeah. So. I will send this to you, though, so you can see it. Uh, yeah. That is some art. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yep. Mm. Yeah, that sure is art, all right. Pain. <laughs> you hear the pain in my voice, right? Do you hear the pain in mine? Yeah, great. So this is mutual. Yeah. So, uh back to a different kind of pain. We the next scene we see uh the park, the rallies being prepped. Remington asks Knuckles and the Chaos to just come over as some extra backup. Tells him that before Pravada was really determined to run, only facing opposition from the token opposition leader. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a little suspicious. It's a little weird. Right as Pravada comes in in a golden limo. And Knuckles even points out that, like, hey, isn't this a little hypocritical for someone, like, leading you guys who has a society that's renounced technology to have something that high spec? To with Remington saying, quote, that's why we have a system to decide such matters. Okay. No, not okay. That's li that doesn't mean anything. No, I didn't say it did. 
You're just okay? I'm just accepting. Yeah, I'm just accepting that, that were, those were words that you have said. Okay, great. I, and I guess in the notes here that I wrote in, while I was reading this, I said, I guess he's saying that if the people really think he's a hypocrite, they'd vote him out. But even then, in the moment, I don't really know what this means. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I legit don't know what he's trying to Ken, what are you trying to say? I can tweet you, but I don't want to do that. We could. We could tweet him. So. <laughs> moving, moving on, on though. Moving on. Moving on. Pravada comes in with someone else. Someone that Remington doesn't recognize. And as he takes the stage, he's introduced as the next high counselor, Benedict. Benedict. Yeah, this is a very normal name for someone uh, next to him named Pravada. Is it Benedict Cumberbatch? Next to the devil wears Pravada. Of course. So, uh, Benedict gives a speech. Says, our forefathers built a technological haven and rejected it out of fear. And while he's giving the speech, dark legionnaires are beginning to march into Echidnaopolis. And says, for now, for once... The people, you have a choice, a true choice. Bury your heads in the sand and listen to the lies of the old corrupt regime or embrace the technology that we ourselves created. It's beginning to look a lot like a kidnapolis. A direct quote. Ask not what the sons of Dimitri can do for you, but what you can do for the sons of Dimitri. A vote for me is a vote for our freedom. Hail Dimitri. And then they do... A salute, I'd have it described. The right palm raised over the hand, index and thumb and fingers extended. Uh, oh, okay. It's, it's vaguely, I know what it is, but it also kind of reminds me of the fairy tale sign. But higher up would be fairy tale and backwards. Like this? No, no, no. So like finger pointing upwards. Like this? Uh, Hand flipped around. Yeah. There we go. And all the way up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fairy tale. All right. But uh, unfortunately, we're not talking about fairy tale. We're talking about uh, uh, techno fascism. God, can we talk about fairy tale instead? <laughs> uh, is there? Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> you were tempted. You were tempted. I was about to entertain you, but I was like, no. These Sonic comics are much more important. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fascism. Uh-huh. That's okay. That's happening right now. Right, and as always in Knuckles comics, apparently, and also like this is the le- the less egregious one, but like, man, Ken, you really had to rip off JFK with that one, huh? Mm-mm. Yep. Shaking my head, my man, JFK, uh, uh, JFK on Clone High would not approve of this. I'm telling you, <laughs> I like your words, Funny Magic Man. Yeah, he would say that to a lot of the Guardians. Yes. Probably not, though. He would not like any of their words. I don't like any of their words. I don't like (laughs) any of these words. Now, the Guardians are all seeing this in Haven. So Jerner points up saying, hey, listen, he may have an argument here. Like, look at us. We have all this technology in our, you know, Haven. Like, we were supposed to swear this off, too. Like, he's not really wrong. We are kind of hypocrites here. And Saber basically slaps him around saying, hey, listen. This is a means to an end. We need to fight the enemy on a level playing field. Which is exactly what they would say, because they're hypocrites. Of course. In the middle of this, uh, an alarm goes off, a door broken in, and all the guardians hit with poison darts, knocked out cold. Ah, oh, nice. Taken down immediately. Let's go. After the rally, uh, Remington confronts Benedict, saying, Hey, I could have you arrested for intending to start a riot here, and there are still outstanding warrants for all of your... Uh, <clears throat> 
supporters, as he puts them. But Pravada steps in saying, hey, Remington, come with me. Come in my limo. Let, let's hash this out in my office. Uh, Knuckles and the Chaotic step back and kind of a little peeved that the Legionnaires are just now allowed to walk around the city. Not like they were trying to invade the place a few months ago. No, of course not. Yeah, what what can they do about it? They're they're just you know right, right, right. And uh, they go off to see if quote someone else knows something. Uh, that night, Stryker is walking back with the dingoes, and he notices all this infighting amongst the echidnas and uh, wants to take advantage of the situation. But then a skylight is put on them, yelling at them to stay right where they are, and are attacked by a cybernetically enhanced echidna who identifies himself as Zenin. 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 Okay. Stryker obviously tries to fight back, but the shit gets kicked out of him and is taken away to the center as Knuckles and the Chaotix uh, see Dingo's being taken away in the back of an open truck. They notice this and over and see overhead Legionnaire aircrafts. They intend to fight Knuckles and bring back Julie Sue. She refuses. Knuckles engages. He fights Zenin head on. Not even can get a dent on him, though. And the scene moves to the kidnapped guardians. In the center, and in comes who they thought was Tobor, but he reveals himself as Moratori Rex, the one who let them all into Haven. Oh. Moratori contacts Dimitri, saying, Look, the only ones missing right now are Locke and Spectre. What do you want me to do about this boss? And he says, Look, uh, don't worry too much about that. Locke's an idiot, but Spectre's a wild card, so just proceed with the plan anyway. Uh-huh. And uh, in that moment, uh, Dimitri turns to see his prisoners, Knuckles, Julie Sue, and Stryker. Dimitri at first acknowledges Knuckles, saying, quote, The nerve you have to challenge my dominion, I'd swear you are more my descendant than my brother's. And if this is the worst you can do, Knuckles says, uh, wake me up when it's over. With Dimitri saying, uh, uh, that's cute, Knuckles. Uh, this is only the beginning. That's the Oof. end of Knuckles number 23. Okay. So. Love these cliffhangers. Oh, yeah. Like, like honestly, unironically, like this, the, Ken Penders is pretty good at cliffhangers. Unfortunately, that's the only thing he's good at. Agreed. And you know what? I can say that confidently, considering the fact of how much I've read of him to this point. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, come on. Like, come on. Cut me some slack it's, here. It's a, it's a train wreck that you just gotta keep watching. So when you can't see the end of the train wreck, you wanna, you know, go back. You don't wanna go back. You just can't take your eyes off of it. It's just like, oh yeah, I've been here this long. May as well see it to the end. Right. On that note, we'll move on to Knuckles number 24, the last of this trilogy. Okay. So Locke is in the Master Emerald Chamber, literally just waiting for Knuckles to show up, but is confronted by Archimedes saying, hey man, Invasion! Go back to Haven ASAP. As Spectre comes in saying the same thing, Haven was breached and, uh, quote, they'll stand even less of a chance if Dimitri uncovers what they've hidden for for so long in regards to Knuckles. Mm -hmm. Spectre takes Archimedes and Locke down to the lower levels of the floating island, the sewers, basically, to try to gain the element of surprise. Scene changed. Stryker surprised to see that he's in front of Dimitri himself, saying that he's surprised that the Echidnas would turn on their own. Dimitri pushing back says, oh, oh, no, 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 buddy. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> they put, they, they turned back on me. And you. Okay. Uh, or no, not even him. Uh, 
Edmund was, quote, a dupe of the state and only seeks to return society back to how it was. Would you say in that sense he's a primatist? Because, listen, like, in a primitive society, they had more technology. So in a way, this is some kind of weird roundabout way. I mean, I don't know. I think I've come across something. I think I'm literally the smartest man alive. Okay. All right. So anyway, back to Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Oh, okay. Remington, in another scene, is now talking with Benedict in the counselor's office, saying, hey, man, look, listen, if you swear your loyalty to me, I can basically make you my right-hand man. I'll give you a cushy non-job with a big salary. You get a nice, nice, shiny raise. What do you say? You never have to work again, man. What, come on, what, what do you say? And Remington says, uh, bro, you're counting your chickens before they hatch, buddy. With Benedict saying, hey, listen, you know, with the way we've progressed in our society, we can now do voting cycles in days rather than months beforehand. And uh, as a result, we can, like, fudge the numbers. Vote early, vote often, direct quote. Huh. Basically, what he's saying is that he's going to, like, rig the results, if I'm not right, clear. Right, of course. No, 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 you made that very clear. All right, great, good. Because Ken doesn't. Oh, okay. I'm throwing him on, I'm really throwing Ken under the bus like that, man. All right, Shame Ken, on me. Come on. Shame on me. Step up your game, man. Shame on me. Benedict threatens to blackmail Remington, saying, listen, buddy, like, you, you got some, like, skeletons in your closet, so make the smart decision. Uh-huh. Right as the scene changes, we see Knuckles strapped to a medical bed, him put under, with Dimitri saying, time to find out what makes him tick. As, uh, <laughs> as Zenon threatens Stryker and Julie Sue, Locke and Spectre break in, sneak attack some mooks, and head right in. Remington uh, refuses Benedict's offer. Basically, basically Benedict uh, throws Pravada on Remington. Uh, Pravada has now ragdolled right on top of him and uh, leaves to claim victory in the election. Uh, Remington runs out, calls, uh, calls the secretary to get medical help for Pravada and sees Harry, the cab driver, uh, the dingo cab driver, if you don't remember him. He gets in and tells him to follow that car. Yet again, my man Harry living the cabbie's dream of whenever just getting a guy in their seat, follow the car, slam on the slam on the gas. Of course. This isn't even the first time that happened. Could you imagine living your dream twice? Couldn't be me. Nope. Couldn't be me either. No- meanwhile, Knuckles is being biomedically scanned and... Dimitri notes that he's radiating a lot of power here, but he has no bio-enhancements. This is all natural, all from him, generating power akin to a Chaos Emerald. I gained my abilities from the Chaos Siphon, Dimitri says, but what if someone dared to bioengineer the ultimate echidna? What limits would their power extend? Wow. But uh, the system begins to overload. As someone, as if someone plugged in unlimited energy and couldn't unplug. The whole place is practically collapsing. Uh, the energy is obviously coming from Knuckles, saying that their only option here is to either evacuate or attempt to deal with the source of the issue. Okay, so... <laughs> as Remington and Harry are continuing their chase inside, Moratori and the female commander are... Talking to Central Command, but uh, lose power halfway. Moratori thinking that it's their two Guardian stragglers. Uh, with no power, Moratori tries to use night vision, but is blinded by Spectre, and the two of them are captured. Way too easy, in my opinion. 
But all right, we got to move. Yeah. We got a story to move along. All right. Meanwhile, Julie, Sue, and Stryker are about to be abandoned in the base as the place continues to rupture down. Benedict runs in looking for stragglers, but due to the electromagnetic disruptions, his skin slowly melts off and reveals him to be a robot. Oh. Which, funnily enough, this is not the first time this has happened, but it's definitely the first time it's happened to Knuckles. Okay. Just putting that out there. All right. Uh, Remington and Harry follow. They see this. Uh, rescue Julie, Sue, and Stryker. Harry's calling for the medics. Remington thankfully finds Knuckles alive. He's good. For the most part. He's good. Okay. Dimitri, however, escapes. He monologues that he lost a lot of legionnaires in both the collapse of the center and the raid on Haven. But Benedict did win the election. But since his circuits were fried, uh, we thankfully had a backup just in case. All right. And also to note, the node in Pravada's brain was uh, taken out due to the power surge. And now he's left brain dead. Oh, fantastic. And as for Knuckles, discovering the power he's capable of. Dimitri considers that, and the real possibility it holds, a victory in and of itself. Huh. And that's the end of Knuckles number 24. All right. So, yeah. Knuckles uh, going OP. Knuckles is OP. Uh, the echidnas are techno-fascist now. Uh, you know, simple things, easy things. You know, right. it happens to right. You know, so sometimes societies just become fascist. It's not like, you know, it's a long, overstanding process. It just happens. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With that being said, uh... We'll move on, sadly, away from the Knuckles nonsense, but back to uh, a new kind of nonsense. Oh, boy. Sonic number 71, written by, uh, as you, of course, Ken Penders, so this can only be good. Art by okay. Art by Art Mawinney. And I have to note, the cover bills this as the strangest Sonic story you'll ever read, which at this point is a pretty high fucking claim. Like, you better make good on that if you're going to say this. Uh-huh. And, well, uh, we'll see about that. Okay. So, uh, we open, uh, we open with Amy, actually. Oh. She asks Tails to fly her to the Mobotropolis library, and they land in. Tails gets a little lost, and Amy finds who she was looking for, the person who seemed to be living in the library the last time she was here. Tails asks, hey, who are you? What are you doing here? Nobody lived in this section of Mobotropolis since Robotnik took over? Um, what? And this guy introduces himself as Jeremiah, an archivist who's been working to preserve literature from the pre-Robotnik era, specifically the works of his grandfather, Kirby, uh -huh. and gives them the book that he was working on. Uh, Tails reads from it, and it's a creation story. In the beginning, there was light and then life, the first race being the Echidnas. They developed at faster rates than other Mobians, but soon other anthropomorphic Mobians followed and evolved separately. Until a Mobian squirrel by the name of Alexander brought everyone together and suggested, Hey, if we pool all of our knowledge together, maybe we can flourish and have a greater society here. Generally, all the Mobians agreed, except for the Echidnas, saying that we agree with you, but... Our knowledge will bring you guys more harm than good, so, uh, good luck. Okay. Gotta love those echidnas. Meanwhile, uh, Overlanders were naturally hostile to the emerging Mobian society, but they fought and developed regardless and built Mobotropolis, 
the first multicultural Morbian society, and Alexander, hailed a benevolent leader through the process, was accepted and elevated as the God-given right to the kingdom. Dubbing Mobotropolis the city-state of the kingdom of Acorn. Okay. And Tales begins to read about how, oh, the peace didn't l did not last long, and the story cuts off with a stinger. Whatever started the Great War in the first place? That's the end of that story. Whew, deep questions. And yeah, if it's... Uh, also, the art does show that there is a family resemblance, so Sally is descent of this king. It's all the same lineage. Huh. Uh, how far back does this go? We don't exactly know, but yeah, that's the origin story of the kingdom. Wow. And now... We'll go on to what's considered the B story, done by Carl Bowler's art by Stephen Butler. And I need to point this out. This is a story that's actually told in reverse. What it is, we open on Sonic, who we see having his adventure era design now. He's taller, green eyes and all. Okay. Sally saying, quote, so let me get this straight. You used Nate's super emerald to prevent a weird time beam from destroying Mobius? Uh -huh. 20 minutes earlier, a layer that was over Knothole Village vanishes, and the people are seen celebrating, saying, Yeah, Sonic did it. Yeah. He did it. 40 minutes earlier, Sonic is all strapped up to run, tracksuit, goggles, the Super Emerald strapped to his back, and he takes off. He says he's running faster than he's ever had before, tabbing into the energy of the Super Emerald, first turns him into Super Sonic. And as he races through the Deerward Forest, he transforms again into Ultrasonic. And in this transformative state, as he's running through different terrain, it also transforms him continuously. He runs through the Great Desert, transforms himself into Solar Sonic. Uh, he goes through the Great Tundra into Polar Sonic. And with the Great Rainforest, he turns into Eco Sonic. What do any of these Sonics do? Is your that's a guess as good as you have to me? Okay, cool. I don't. Yes, this happened. This is a matter of I think all on the same page, more or less. Wow, and they're never used again. Never used again. What the hell, Ken Penders? No, this is Carl Bowler's, not Ken Penders. He's not responsible for this. And by the way, for the record, there's no really. I mean, none of the soup, none of the super forms really have that much variation. Like. Super Sonic is just yellow. Solar Sonic is like uh, like a bleached red. Polar Sonic is just white. And uh, Eco Sonic is green. Whoopee. Okay. With Sonic running at the same rate as the rotation of the planet, time begins to accelerate on Mobius, moving the time beam away from the planet as Nate predicted, which I, I guess Carl Boris was inspired because I'm pretty sure that has happened several times over in... Superman, The Flash, whatever. I can imagine. 30 minutes earlier, the time beam hits Mobotropolis, forcing time to stop on top of it. And if it were to be removed, time would go both forward and backward simultaneously, ripping apart the fabric of reality. Nate has a solution and shows off the Super Emerald. 10 minutes earlier, Sonic runs out shivering, saying, Oh, we did it, Sally. We broke through the barrier. But notices she's not there. Sonic tries to go back into Knothole, but is blinded by light and goes to get help. Eight minutes earlier, Sonic and Sally are in Knothole. All the Robians in there are moving backwards in time, them going unnoticed. Sally notices that leaves are falling up. Sonic's parents are talking in reverse, 
And that's when she realizes, oh, time is moving backwards. They try to leave, but they're stuck inside Knothole. They can't touch the oak tree slide since it's part of the past as well. So Sonic has an idea. Holding on to Sally, he uses his super speed to vibrate the molecules in their body to slide out of the time warp that way, which I am fairly certain was also a plot point in The Flash. Yeah, that yeah, that sounds like the Speed Force thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ten minutes earlier, uh, Sonic and Sally are sliding out in the slide of light, seemingly goes on forever, and Sally almost slips away from Sonic, but he grabs a hold of her and they continue on. Seven minutes earlier, Sally scolds Sonic for going into West Robotropolis against the King's order. But Sonic says, like, hey, hey, don't worry about it. That's it. Just don't worry about it. But his spirits are up. uh, The King's spirits are up anyway since Elias came home and Alicia's conditions are stable. So you're not going to be scolded that badly. I hope. (laughs) But uh, walking into Knothole, they're blinded by a flash of light. Fifteen minutes earlier... King Max brings in Nate for a hug. Happy he's safe, but both Elias and Sonic are scolded by Max for sneaking off on this mission unconfirmed. Sally comes in, asking for Sonic, to which Max tells her, Hey, listen, I don't want to see Sonic right now. Take him away. And 15 minutes, or no, 59 minutes earlier, another satellite comes online and positions itself to a target and fires a beam of energy towards Mobius. And that was... The beginning of Sonic number 71. Okay. Wow. Well, it built it as definitely the strangest story I've ever... Uh, the strangest Sonic story I'll ever read, and uh, I guess it did live up to the claim. Really? That's as strange as it gets? I mean, telling the story in reverse, I mean, like, the only way they could top this off if it was a Knuckles story told in reverse. Yeah, okay. I mean, am I wrong? Like, do Please argue with me. <laughs> No, 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 no. I just feel like for being considered the strangest story. I, I said it was a high claim, and did it live up to it? Like, I, I mean, in my opinion, probably. Like, huh. I don't know. Like, yeah, we've read work. We literally talked about a fucking Sailor Moon parody here. Like, hey, that was really good. I appreciated that a lot. Did you? I did. And you know what? I'll appreciate it even more because it was the writer for Spider Verse who did it. So. Yeah! So fair points, all fair points. Go Dan Slot. Go Dan Slot. And uh, with that behind us, uh-huh. we now have one last comic to cover: <laughs> Sonic Super Special Number Nine, Sonic Kids Two. Oh boy. Yeah, remember that era in the '90s when everyone was, for some reason, was all hype about like, oh, it's your favorite cartoons, but they're all babies. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I very much experienced that. Brats babies, hey And we'll start with our first story here, Zoneward Bound, written by Mike Gallagher, art done by Sam Maxwell and Harvo. Oh. We open on the Freedom Fighters, seen as toddlers. They're playing in the snow, having a snowball fight. They're having good childhood fun and uh, accidentally hit Rosie, Sally's nanny. Rosie gets a little angry, which leads Sally to start crying. She She's like, oh, you know, I didn't mean for you to cry. It, it's fine. I didn't mean to be so upset. Hey, the nearby lake was frozen over because it, it's snowing. Why don't you go skating? Why don't you go play hockey? Why don't you go have some fun? And I'll bring you a snack. And they're like, yeah, snacks. <sighs> they, they then, uh, they're playing hockey. Sonic's showing off a little bit, going so fast that the friction melts the ice. 
They say it'll refreeze quick, but for now they need to get back to shore. Uh-huh. As they're waiting for Rosie, uh, Sonic gets thirsty and tries to pull water from the nearby well. But, uh, surprise, the bucket's frozen. Uh- but, but there is a ring lodged inside the ice. They can't really pull it out. But with the lake, the lake did eventually refreeze and the kids go back on the skate. As they're walking away, the ring begins to resonate. And as they're walking onto the lake, they're all dropped into open portals. And need I remind you, they are all around the age of five. Uh-huh. So I can imagine that they are scared shitless. Maybe right. in some cases, literally. They are children after all. <laughs> okay. Sally is dropped onto a roller coaster with its twists and turns. Ends up, the car ends up being derailed, cause, just because the rail ended. And sees the face of her dad, a crystallized face of her dad, with her saying... It's my duty to continue on and do my best. Like, she understood it to be an omen. Which, for a five-year-old... Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's You're stretching here. Come on. <laughs> As that happened, Antoine, Tails, and Rotor are then dropped into a liminal space, and they see the heads of the ancient walkers. Tails is slowly collecting his friends. They're all in order. And the walkers note, quote... The Chosen One displays insight, and their paths will cross soon. Okay. Sonic, though, sees that he was pulled into a zone, one that's still kind of under construction, and says that, oh, this isn't the first time I was dropped into a zone. The last time that happened, it was with Mighty and Ray. Oh. And also, for the record, uh, Ray has actually not appeared in the comics at this point. He, This is him being name-dropped. Oh, okay. Sonic runs, uh, collecting rings in the process, and pulls up to see the creator, King Acorn's old warlord, Julian. In the moment, he demands that he be called Robotnik, and attacks Sonic, basically with the mech from the first zone from Sonic 1, like the Wrecking Ball, that's what it was. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's cute. It's a cute Mm -hmm. reference. Mm -hmm. He dodges and hits Robotnik's mech right in the hyperdrive, and right as it's overloading, the, the portals end up spitting Sonic out, and he sees his friends all fine and well. And after that, uh, they then see the ring nearby and go, yeah, this is weird. Uh, he takes the bucket, throws it back into the well, and they never speak of this incident again. Okay. And that's the end of that story. All right. We'll move on to the second story, uh, My Secret Guardian. Uh, Gallagher also wrote this, uh, Manny Galan, Jim Amash doing the art. Sally and King Max are going to be going on a uh, field trip, as she calls it, to the floating island. Although the king has other intentions for this trip, and considers the possibility of running into the colonel, and wonders if Elias and Alicia are there with a certain someone. As they land... Max goes to pay his respects to the island's guardian, as is custom, and leaves Sally behind for the moment, who overhears rustling in the bushes. And in them comes out a young Knuckles. They ask each other who they are, and upon talking, they realize that they're both heirs to this large, long-standing legacy, and end up becoming fast friends as a result. They, they bond. They have, they have a good bond, you see. But as they're talking, uh... They get into a, a little bit of a, of a childhood disagreement over who has their life harder, you know, like, 
sometimes things are had they're comparing problems you should never do that in all honesty but unfortunately uh knuckles ends up pushing sally she she falls on the ground and she pushes back and ends up shoving knuckles over the edge of the island but but it's okay knuckles can glide it's it's good it's fine yeah he flies back up and and knuckles is basically just going bruh he tries to headbutt sally she ducks with knuckles hitting a tree and knocking it down they both freak out over this knuckles saying that he's damaged a part of the ecosystem of the island and sally's upset that she can't really get along with a new person basically she's knocking herself down for her lack of diplomacy skills but she's also five so like right right cut him some slack here of course and then they hear knuckles's dad calling for him they both manage to hide the broken tree elsewhere. Sally hides herself in a bush to remain unseen from Locke. But Max comes back to find Sally, who is upset that thinking that her hiding away would be, quote, an omen that she would have to hide while losing everyone around her and the things that she loved. Okay. She's a five. Dark. Yeah, it's a little dark. Man, what is this man teaching her? Like, we gotta have it. What is, what is you know going what? on? What is the curriculum of the Royal House of Acorn? I gotta have a chat. You know what? That sounds like the end of the uh, Cloud Card arc for card captors. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Who was inspired? What came out first? Ah, <laughs> uh, not my problem. <laughs> but uh, we'll cover on the last story. The Eve of Destruction. That's what it's called. Whoa. Okay. Of course, written by Mike Gallagher, art by Art Mawini and Rich Koslowski. All right. We open on the young freedom fighters again, playing outside in more Metropolis, outside of the house of Amadeus and Rosemary Prower, to which Tails is about to be born any day now. Aww. Uh It seems that uh, Rosemary has some minor complications with her pregnancy, but she, she's bedridden, but for the most part, she's fine. She's in high okay. spirits. Okay, for now. For no, she's in high spirits. Okay, it's good. good. It's good. Not everything has to be doom and gloom here. Listen, I, I don't know anymore, man. You know what? Fair enough. That's a good defense mechanism. That's a good. That's good. So, as second in command of the captain of the guard, Amadeus has been tasked to oversee the dismantling operation of the military. Warlord Julian was appointed as the science minister since uh, his position has now been left redundant. As the last science minister. Charles Hedgehog resigned after a classified experiment went horribly wrong, to which they're referring to the roboticization of his brother. Ah, gotcha. Amadeus leaves to go to work, and Sonic sees him walking away and goes, Hey, are you going to have a boy or a girl? And he says, Oh, you know, I don't really know, but, you know, who knows? I think he'll be good uh, if he has friends like you, Sonic. And, hey, speaking of which... uh, can you do me a favor? Can you hang around my house? And in case my wife calls for help, can you, you know, call someone? Can you stick by and watch over her? And so I was like, yeah, you got it, dude. You got it. You know, as a as a five-year-old, right? Yeah, as a five-year-old. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, the way I see it, it was just like a cutesy thing of like, it's equivalent to telling like a, like a 10-year-old boy with his dad going on a business trip that he's the man of the house. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's okay, like okay, that. Okay. That's how I read it anyway. That is cute. You're right. Meanwhile, Julian and Snively are in Chuck's old lab, gloating, and have prepped a volunteer to test the roboticizer. <laughs> volunteer. Right. But Amadeus just so happens to be walking by and overhears the subject calling for help, and he goes in. 
knowing that it's a violation to go in without an escort into the lab, but he notices the roboticization process in the middle of all this and overhears Julian talking about his plans for world conquest. And Amadeus is like, ah, fuck. <laughs> he jumps down, gun in hand, ready to arrest Julian and Snively, with Julian going, hey, listen, do me a favor here. Number one, my name is Robotnik. Number two, I've been plotting this for a long, long time. And also, this is not the first time I've roboticized someone. Mm-hmm. But th- I- I've been working on another project. I've perfected something else. Uh, I'd like to call it the SWAT bot and captures Amadeus with it. Meanwhile, the young freedom fighters hear Rosemary scream and realize that she's in labor. They intend to call the doctor, but Sonic is like, yo, I have a better idea. They get her into a wagon, he straps himself to it, and they run to the hospital. Okay. And uh, they get there just in time. Young Tails, or, you know, as we refer to him, Young Miles, he's born. The kids are in the room, and even the king, and they all notice the fact that he has, quote, both his parents' tails. By the way, this is never brought up. They're never going to address why he has two tails. Don't ever think about it. All right, I don't, will benefit Don't from ever think about it. Do not ask me about it. I have no answer. Okay. So they wonder where uh, Amadeus is. And the king mentions that, oh, Julian was having Amadeus' system in the lab. They're cleaning up and they'll, they'll be here any moment now. Just when both he and Julian show up, Amadeus in hospital smock and glasses, according to Julian, says that, quote, Oh, he fell into a contaminated room and we were just cleaning him up. You know, we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to get the new baby sick. So we rushed over as soon as we got the news, however. Silently, Amadeus walks up to the baby, looks at him for a second, turns around and walks away, saying nothing. By the way, if you see in the art, you can kind of see there. there's a little something up with him. A little something oh. up. He doesn't look right. In this moment, uh, Rosemary is a little upset. She's in tears. Quack saying, hey... Don't think too much of it. When men become new fathers, you know, they're they're going to act a little strange. This is normal. Just, you know, don't take it too personally. Julian leaves with Amadeus. Max saying, all right, King Max was talking to Julian saying, hey, uh, stay behind after the closing ceremonies. Uh, we have some business to discuss. And he says, yes, of course, we do have business to discuss. And as they leave the hospital, Amadeus disrobes. We see him fully roboticized, with Robotnik intending him to be the first wave of the initial coup. Okay. Back inside, uh, Rosemary ended up crying herself to sleep, she was so tired, leaving baby Miles to start crying, and Sonic's like, hey, let me hold him. And uh, he holds him for a little while, and, you know, he stops crying, and with one good look, Sonic says, hey, think you and me are gonna be fast friends. Cute. And that's the end of Sonic Super Special number 9. That's the end of our uh, comics that we've got for today. And you know what? It, I, I think this was a good note to end on. It was cute. It was wholesome. Yes, Robotnik yeah. is planning a coup, but this is a flashback, so it doesn't really count. Exactly. Exactly. So, Ronnie, tell me. Well, what stood out to you the most of all these comics? Whew. Well, let's go back to the Sailor Moon parody. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, hey, you know, our man Dan Sly, like, he knows what's up. He Hell knows yeah. what's up. Look you at knew this. exactly what I wanted to hear, and you told it to me, and I appreciate it very much. I also appreciate the kids' comics. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, uh, last time I covered this, it was a bit of a slog, just because, like, 
I guess it was just like, oh, they're clearly just catching on a trend here. But right. with the second one, like, they actually used it to, like, go in depth with the lore of the world and the history of the Freedom Fighter. Yeah. Like, you know what? I appreciate that. And they did that with the last comic, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, you know, it, it was just jarring. You know, a lot of people really don't like filler. This feels like filler. I love filler. I love it when I get to learn more about the characters that I like. Just, like, doing normal, everyday things. It's good stuff. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's very wholesome, very relaxing. You got any uh, final thoughts you'd like to share overall before we head home? <sighs> God damn it, contenders. I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, that's honestly it. You know, that was there, there were a lot of words said today. A lot of them... Uh, meant some things a lot of them might have meant some things and a lot of them didn't mean anything yeah i mean i got nothing else to add <laughs> those we we had words we were forced to endure them yeah and that's it that's it and that's it for this episode of the archie sonic digest Th thanks for being here thanks for listening to this drevel and nonsense uh <laughs> sonic comics sonic the hedgehog comics Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time for a very important issue, one you're not going to want to miss, Knuckles number 25. Not only is this the first milestone for Knuckles, but we're going to have some major developments. Ooh, all major right. Major developments. See you next time, folks. Bye, guys.